Hello, I'm Sherry House, a missionary living in Thailand who loves to study the lives of great women of whom it can be said she hath done what she could. Welcome to Silhouettes, my weekly story about a lady whose life challenges, encourages, and teaches me. I hope as you listen today, your heart will be encouraged and challenged too to do what you can for the Lord. So grab a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy. Let me tell you her story. Elizabeth Payson was born on October 26, 1818 in Portland, Maine. Her father was a well-known Congregationalist pastor and her mother was a godly pastor's wife. Elizabeth was a vivacious child and she had as quick a temper as she had a quick wit and clever mind. Elizabeth's first real taste of tragedy came early in her life when her beloved father passed away after a year-long battle with tuberculosis just a few days before her ninth birthday. She did not take it well and was given to fits of temper tantrums and much misbehavior for several months. As she got older, she desired to have a calmness about her, but she struggled with extremes, feeling at one moment that she loved God more than life itself, and the next falling into despair because of her spiritual state, or lack thereof. Finally, Elizabeth made a public profession of Christ when she was 12 years old. She had a love for writing, and by the age of 16, she was writing stories and poems that were published in The Youth's Companion, which was a religious magazine in New England. Elizabeth had a gift for teaching, and in 1838, after she completed her education, she opened a small girls' school in her home. Two years later, she moved to Richmond, Virginia, to become the department head at a girls' boarding school. At the age of 26, Elizabeth married George Prentice, who was a congregational pastor. They moved to New Bedford, Massachusetts, and took a pastorate. Their first daughter, Anne, was born the following year, and their son, Eddie, was born two years later. Elizabeth had a happy little home and had transitioned well into marriage and motherhood. They were well liked by the people in their community, and Elizabeth was becoming a fine pastor's wife. She sought to befriend and bring comfort to those in their congregation, even though she herself suffered from poor health, headaches, and insomnia. In January of 1852, when little Eddie was just four years old and Elizabeth was pregnant with her third child, he became ill with meningitis. Just three months after Eddie passed away, Elizabeth gave birth to a little girl they named Elizabeth and called Bessie. She brought her mother great comfort. But just one short month later, Bessie became desperately sick and passed away the very next day. Losing two children in the span of five months was almost more than Elizabeth could bear, but she was not that same little girl given to temper tantrums and misbehavior that she was when she first experienced grief as a child. No, she took her grief to the Lord and in Him found comfort. She did not rail against the Lord, but instead trusted that He could use it in her life for His glory if she would let Him. Elizabeth's experiences of grief gave her a sympathetic heart towards other grieving parents, and many times people came to her for comfort and wisdom. She eventually published a book entitled, How Sorrow Was Changed into Sympathy. Elizabeth went on to have three more children, another girl named Mary, and two boys, George and Henry. She continued her writing and became a well-known religious children's author and novelist. Her stories were loved by children and parents alike. As Elizabeth continued to struggle with debilitating health issues and a body often racked with pain, she had to come to terms with the limitations put upon her, and she had to refocus her understanding of her own value and worth from doing to being. She wrote one day, I see now that to live for God, whether one is allowed ability to be actively useful or not, is a great thing, and that it is a wonderful mercy to be allowed even to suffer 
if thereby one can glorify him. In 1856, during a period of particular illness and sadness of the losses that she had endured, Elizabeth wrote a poem to the Lord that she never showed anyone. Thirteen years later, she showed it to her husband, and he encouraged her to have it published. In her grief, she penned these words to one of our most beloved hymns that has brought comfort to people for nearly 170 years. The words are, More love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. Hear thou the prayer I make on bended knee. This is my earnest plea, more love, O Christ, to thee. The hymn goes on, Once earthly joy I craved, sought peace and rest. Now thee alone I seek, give what is best. This all my prayer shall be, more love, O Christ, to thee. Let sorrow do its work, send grief and pain. Sweet are thy messengers, sweet their refrain. When they can sing with me, more love, O Christ, to thee. More love to thee, more love to thee. Elizabeth died on August 13, 1878, at the age of 59. In total, she published 25 books, with her last book being published just a few days after her death, and wrote numerous sketches and poems. In one of her last letters, Elizabeth wrote, Much of my experience of life has cost me a great price, and I wish to use it for strengthening and comforting other souls. Well, you can find out more about Elizabeth Prentice on my website, sherryhouse.com, but let me tell you one more particular story from her life that resonated with one of my own. Elizabeth's most famous book is an autobiographical novel entitled Stepping Heavenward, which was published in 1869 and sold over 300,000 copies worldwide. It was staple reading for Christian youth for many decades. The book was written very candidly and did not skim over the struggles that Elizabeth faced in coming to this point of trusting Christ come what may in her life. Elizabeth's book, Stepping Heavenward, is one my mother actually was given to read when she was a young mother. I always remember it being on our bookshelf, and I know she's read it several times over the years. Her testimony is that it helped her to desire an even closer walk with Christ. My mother has been a wonderful example of a Christian woman, and she has dealt with normal difficulties that life brings to all of us. Of course, she's had disappointments and unrealized dreams at times, and like anyone who has entered their retirement years, she has suffered the loss of loved ones, like her parents and my father's parents. But one tragedy she has faced that is the hardest on any mother is the loss of a child. In 2015, at the age of 39, my younger sister became ill with bronchitis. A quick trip to the hospital and she was sent home with some medicine, but when she didn't improve, she returned to the hospital and was admitted. Lisa had developed double pneumonia, and after just a few days, really started to struggle. The doctors did everything within their power to figure out what was going wrong and why she wasn't responding to the varied medications they were giving her. I was already scheduled to come home for a quick trip in two weeks' time, and I was praying that Lisa would be all better by the time I got home so I could hug her neck and take her shopping and tease her as big sisters do. I got a call on a Wednesday morning just 11 days after she had been admitted to the hospital to say there was nothing more the doctors could do for her and the family should be called home. I quickly changed my ticket for the first flight out. I knew it would take a full 30 hours to get home and I prayed the Lord would let me get there in time. I raced to immigration to get my re-entry visa, made arrangements for my dog and house, and packed furiously. Just a few hours before my flight left that night, I got the call that Lisa had gone on to heaven. It was a long, hard flight, but the Lord was so gracious and provided comfort for me along the entire trip. Those first few days were a blur, but I was amazed at my mother's strength, 
her grace, and her comfort. Five years on, I know she still grieves because whenever she mentions Lisa's name, there's a little catch in her throat and a tear in her eye. But my mother has been a true example of not letting grief turn into bitterness. She has been able to take that sorrow and use it to comfort others and to explain how God can give grace even at our most trying times. Today I'd like to do a small devotion with you that I've entitled Better, Not Bitter. I heard a preacher say once that with every passing year in the ministry, you will either be getting better or getting bitter. I don't think that statement is exclusive to those in ministry, but with almost 30 years of ministry under my belt, I have found it to be quite accurate. I don't know if it's just that as you get older, you have less patience, or maybe it is that you have more expectations, or maybe you just have less energy to deal with things. But bitterness is a trap the devil uses to keep us from serving the Lord to the fullest and can definitely hinder our influence on others, especially our influence on the younger generation for those of us who are older. I remember being young and experiencing relationships with older women in our church. I had my favorites who always had a piece of candy in their purse to slip into my hand or smiled kindly at me or told me I looked pretty. But there were always those few older women who to me seemed mean and cantankerous and scary. I didn't like to be around them. They made me feel uncomfortable. As a teenager, they seemed to always be trying to ruin my fun or calling out even the smallest infractions I seemed to make against whatever they thought my moral code should be. I promised myself at a young age that I would never be like that. But the truth of the matter is that the older I get, I do find it easy to respond to situations in a more negative manner, and I have to make a real effort to watch myself and not be like that. Whatever it is in life that causes us to act or react in a harsh or bitter manner, it reveals a weak point in our Christianity. Hebrews 12.15 teaches us that bitterness not only causes us trouble, but causes us to be defiled, and not only us, but others as well. Listen to the words of the verse. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Being full of bitterness, no matter what the root cause, a sudden loss or hurt from others, or whether it has built up over time because of dashed hopes and dreams or disappointments or unrealized expectations. It is a characteristic trait given in Romans 3 for those who are unrighteous, who don't understand God, and who are not seeking Him. The Bible goes on to say these people have feet that are swift to shed blood, that destruction and misery are in their ways, that they don't know the way of peace, and that there is no fear of God before their eyes. I can't imagine that any one of us would want to be described in this way at all. So how do we keep bitterness from taking hold in our lives, especially as we grow older? Well, the easy answer is, the closer you are to the Lord, the more like Him you will be. His ways will be your ways, and there will be less room for bitterness to take hold. I have a saying that I have said to myself for years. Anytime I felt a spirit of bitterness coming over me, or I felt I wasn't responding to someone or some situation in a Christ-like manner. And that saying is, I am not a bitter old biddy. Have you ever heard that term, an old biddy? It actually has several different meanings, but in general, it is used to describe an older woman who is being unpleasant, gossipy, or interfering. I think back to my childhood promise that I never wanted to be one of those kind of women who never had a kind word to say, who always had a sour face, who always seemed to find fault, and who never seemed to be happy. As Christian women, we need to take every opportunity to use the things the Lord has brought 
or the things He has allowed to come into our lives to draw us and others to Christ and to help them on their journey to know Him. Here are five reminders to help you to never be classified as a bitter old biddy, no matter what your age. Number one, be more concerned with loving people than you are with being loved by people. As we get older, it is easy to come to expect recognition and feeling like it is our turn to sit back and have others serve us. When you start to feel like this, remind yourself, I'm not a bitter old biddy, and go find someone to show Christ's love to. Number two, keep a sweet smile on your face, not a sour smirk. You know, a smile can convey so many things, but mostly it tells someone that you like them or that you're happy to see them or you're pleased with them. So when you're feeling your lips going into that pursing position, whether you have due cause or not for them to be that way, remind yourself, I'm not a bitter old biddy, and force yourself to smile. Number three, be quick to praise and slow to prattle. Prattle is generally used to describe trifling or empty talk, but it is also associated with murmuring, tattling, gossiping, and ranting. When you find yourself starting to harp on others, maybe because they haven't done something like you would have liked it done or they've disappointed you again, remind yourself, I'm not a bitter old biddy, and say a word of praise to them. Number four, count your blessings, not your burdens. When you begin to feel weighted under your burdens, causing you to react to others in a wrong way, remind yourself, I'm not a bitter old biddy, and stop right there in the moment and thank the Lord for something he's done in your life, and then pray and ask him to help you to respond in a Christ-like manner. And lastly, number five, be intentional with your time. Don't be idle. Idleness provides us with opportunities to concern ourselves with things we shouldn't. It creates an easy path for judgment and criticism to flow out of us. When you feel yourself becoming bitter at someone or something, remind yourself, I'm not a bitter old biddy, and get out there and use your free time to be a blessing to others. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's silhouette and learning a little bit more about Elizabeth Prentice's story and this matter of getting better, not bitter. She truly was a woman of whom it could be said she had done what she could. Let's you and I go do what we can do. Silhouettes with Sherry is written and told by missionary Sherry House. To learn more about Sherry, this story, or other stories about women who were used of God, read Sherry's blog at sherryhouse.com. That's S-H-A-R-I house.com. Silhouettes can be heard at this time every week on this station. Silhouettes is a Causeway Media and Faith Music Radio production. Thank you.